0: You're listening to The Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. My name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant at this church, and uh, it's an honor to do so, and I love serving with you guys. I got a chance to serve yesterday on a project, um, and it was so cool seeing all of these folks diving in and making something beautiful uh, out of something that kind of got into a little chaos. You know, things that don't get taken, that not, I want not say don't get taken care of, but that aren't paid attention to, they can turn into chaos, like your own spiritual walk, like, you know, things in your, in your own life, in your own family. And so as we dive in today, we're talking about, well, what's next? We're going to be in the book of Acts for several weeks here, and we're going to spend some time, like, what's next? So we had this big high last week of this amazingness of the of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then what happened? And what are we supposed to do about it? And so I'm really excited to share this with you um, as we move forward after this epic event. And the key is that we move. They didn't just stand there and watch. They didn't just talk about it just from a distance. They didn't just have the knowledge and information of what happened at the resurrection. They actually went out in action. Peter was in Jerusalem, and he was doing amazing things in Jerusalem, working with the Jews there and talking about uh, this Jesus as Messiah. Paul goes, gets sent out, and he goes out into the world to us Gentiles, amen, thank you, Paul. Yeah, here we are, us Gentiles, most of us, right? And he goes out, and he shares this news, and they were active. And I find it very interesting that that is exactly how God chooses to do what he wants to do in this world. As he chooses to use each one of you and I, he wants you and I to represent him to the world. And it's an honor. And so we're all called to be on that journey. And one of the things I see that happens immediately after this is this idea of empowerment. God re- unleashes an army onto the world with not an army with swords and spears and all these things, but an army with the heart to serve, an army with the, with the desire to put someone else in front of themselves, to, to have us model and follow after like what it looks like to be a, a lead servant. This idea that things were in chaos and he uses you and I to bring them back into order. And he is still doing that today. We are going from chaos to order, from chaos to order. Hey, I make a mess of my life, and God helps me get back into the right right relationship with him. Somebody else makes a mess of their life, and we help them get back into the right relationship with God over and over, whoops, and over. So empowerment, it's, it's one of the values that we have at this church, that we're here to empower people. We're here to equip the saints. You've heard this phrase over and over again. And that is what we're called to do. It's not about uh, the building. It's not about the pastor. It's not about those things. It's about you being empowered and understanding God's word and being excited enough to get up out of here and to go out and do things like we did yesterday, like you do every day in your workplace. Empowerment, bringing the good news about the kingdom of God and the work of Jesus Christ to the world is not reserved for just vocational ministers. Peter writes about it in the priesthood of every believer. First Peter two nine. He re, he, he writes about the, these things and what does it look like to to be empowering people to be to be these living stones. I wanted to read this not in your notes. Uh, this is in first first uh, Peter chapter two verse four. I'll read the whole section here for you, so let's let's read God's word together. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones. Oh. You're included in this party. Like you're the plan. You're the plan to tell the world about Jesus. (laughs) Like sometimes I'm like, are you sure, God? Are you sure you want to use No. Like, we're the plan. We're the living stones. And we're being built into a spiritual house. We are being built into a spiritual house. This church is changing and molding and we're growing with each other and we're kind of stubbing our toes and stepping on each other on occasion. But we're doing it with a great ambition to change our community. To let them see what God could look like as his people serve and love. To be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says see I lay a stone in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I put my faith in Jesus he'll never let me down. Faithful from I I believed it when I was singing it over here. I believed it for my children. I believed it for your children. I believed it for those that don't have children. (laughs) Yes, yes. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Life is not good without Jesus. It is incomplete. My self-serving never made me happy. My serving others gives me eternal happiness. Like there's a value there. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were uh, destined for. Well, it's our job to make sure people know the message. And here we go. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I have a hard time believing sometimes that I'm God's special possession. I'm like, Lord, have you checked out your possession here? Because he makes mistakes often. and He's like, exactly who I'm looking to use that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. We were declaring the praises of God. Jehovah Jireh, God, you are enough. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you uh, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what's next? What, do we, what did they do after this resurrection? They were unleashed. And you're unleashed. Some of you know that, and some of you don't know that you're unleashed. You're like, I am? Well, then, what do I do now that I'm unleashed? See, God has been empowering his people for a long time. Read the scriptures. Moses. Abraham. Like, you just see the story of empowerment, of of, "You you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And he's still saying that to us today. See, Surface is just an example of our desire to show the world who our God is. Our God does stuff like that. They take, he takes his time, his energy, his effort, and his treasure and invests it into things to bring things that are in chaos back into order. It's not an event, it's a lifestyle. My hope is that it becomes a lifestyle in our church, that we're like, yep, that's what we do. A lifestyle of partnering with God to bring the world back together, this idea of chaos and shalom coming back together, disorder to order, making things right. I noticed this on our project yesterday. So we got the privilege of working out at Palouse Cares, which, can you think about the work that they do inside those walls? Someone comes to them, and their life may be in chaos. Maybe they had an unplanned pregnancy and there's other options for them but somehow this option is available for them and they go into those walls and you know what they receive when they walk in there? (laughs) They receive hope. They receive unconditional love. They get good advice that you and I as Christians would probably agree with. They get clothes. They get taken care of. Like this organization is an amazing organization and what they do inside of those walls is giving life. Now outside of their walls, they were so busy on the inside of their walls, there was some chaos going outside in their landscaping. There were some dead trees that, thank goodness, uh, my associate and I, Ron, did not let hit the building as we took them down. We had our awesome, some of these awesome ladies, they were up on the top of this courtyard back there, and there's these bushes that are Satan's bushes, I think is what they're called. Uh, What's their name? Satan's bushes? Yeah. That's what they felt like. They're like sticker bushes with no fruit. They don't like produce anything. You don't even like. You just get poked because you're there. Um, probably a good barrier, a fence barrier, but we already had a fence, and they were in chaos. They were growing all over the place and like leaning over and snagging every piece of garbage and trash that you could possibly find. But these bushes were in chaos. And we're hacking away at them, getting scraped up and beat up and all those things. And we're bringing chaos of this landscaping back into order-ish. And I thought it was a great word p- picture of what God wants to do with us. How many people have been a crazy sticky sticker bush way out of control and your stuff was all over the place? And you were snagging other people, and you were hurting other people, and you were hurting other things, and you were ugly. I have been there. And you needed to be made. You needed this idea, like I think we talk about it often, and I get tired of talking about it, but I can't because Jesus didn't get tired of talking about it. Is being transformed. And we transformed those bushes. I got down as low as I could with my chainsaw, trying not to drag it, not my chainsaw. Okay, it was awesome chainsaw. I'll try not to drag it through some rocks. You're welcome. Um, and uh, I cut those things down to really very nicely trimmed. Thank you. Um, but we made some things right yesterday. Just like they make things right in that building on a daily basis. See, Jesus says he's exiting he spends time he goes off for 40 days but one of the things that he's exiting on is he wants to give instructions and so we talk about this often Matthew 28 the great commission then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountainside where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him he, they uh, worshiped him but some doubted then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and really it's as you are going As you are going in your life, like everywhere you go, what you're doing, your job, your team that you're coaching, the people that are around you, your family, everywhere that you are going, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. I know we've heard about this before. We've talked about this a lot and we're not going to stop talking about it because that's what we're called to do. How many people know what a disciple is? Right? You have a definition, right? We have a definition of it. How many people would say, like, yep, that's me. I am a total disciple maker. Like, I I wake up thinking about discipleship because that's what Jesus commanded me to. Not, Not always, right? So we're going to keep focusing on what it looks like to be and make disciples of Jesus the way that Jesus did. His methods, his ways. So what they recognize, Peter recognizes in Acts 1, 15 through 26, is he recognizes that there's some empowerment needed. They were missing a player who was out of field when he took his own life because of his betrayal. So they were missing somebody. So they found, and they, what it says is they, it says that he prayed. They prayed, and then they cast lots, and the Lord rolled the dice on Matthias. And they empowered him to be a disciple to have the 12, 12, which would mean a lot in the Jewish world, but 12 disciples, thinking about the 12 tribes, to to go out into the world. So empowerment happened immediately after this. See, the church needed leadership then. It was in a little bit of a disarray. They had to take some time to figure out, what does this look like? Where is Jesus? Did he really write and he appeared to people for over 40 days? So the church needed leadership then the church needs leadership now. And the church is going to need leadership after you and I are gone. And so what does this look like this leadership? Well, it looks like yesterday. What does leadership look like at our church? Some of you have heard this phrase, you got to be fat. It's the acronym, faithful, available, and teachable. Well, faithful to what? Attending to the needs of the body. Well, who's the body? You are. You have the gifts to take care of some needs in this body, and are we connected enough to know what those needs are? Prayer, reading, your Bible, fasting, giving, all of those things, being faithful in all of those things. You matter. Being available, well, being available where? To serve and to be served. How many people do not always like to be served? You can be honest here. You're kind of like, I don't really like to owe anybody anything. And, like, it's really uncomfortable. If if the whole church were to come to your house and knock out every project that you have, how many people would be like, "Eh, wait, I don't know how to respond to that. be available on Sunday, to be involved in our life groups and being in the discipleship relationships. One of our awesome gals last week, she's like, I was talking to her after church, and she's like, I wasn't bored of your sermon. I was just really tired. Did you see me yawning? And I can't see hardly anything. Like, Did you see me yawning? I'm like, no, I didn't see yawning, but I know why you were tired. Because you got here at 6 a.m., and you made coffee from 6 a.m. until... You are some coffee drinking machines last week. We went through some coffee like nobody's business and she was here at 6 a.m. making coffee. The church didn't start till 8 last week, right? She's one of the last ones leaving. Well, of course you were tired. You were here at 6 a.m. You were very available. And being teachable how? Well, you've got to be teachable to the guy who's teaching up here. No, you've got to be teachable to what God is revealing to you in your life to move you closer to him. That's what you have to be teachable to. What is he asking you to do? Where is he asking you to be involved? Is it here? Cool. If it's not, let's go find it. See, this idea of leadership and future leadership, that comes from making disciples. That's why we are a disciple-making church. Now, I value personally, as a lead pastor, giving people the opportunity to serve. I was raised in a church... At 20, that immediately I was given an opportunity to serve. Because it's not about coming to a club or a building or those type of things. Uh, that's that's beneficial. It's beneficial for all of us. So I'm big on this empowerment idea. You'll see young pastors preaching like Logan up here. Yeah, you know why? Because those guys are the future. They need reps. They need they need opportunity, and they're doing great. And so we're going to be a church that's not ob- about being polished. You're like, obviously, you're up there. <laughs> we're going to be a church about giving people opportunity to be engaged and be involved. This is an uncomfortable church to just, you can just come in here and hang out. But like that, you're not, you're not going to get the more that God has for you. We're going to give you the opportunity to be an usher, to be a greeter. To f- I got somebody today, there was a gal who was here today earlier and i was like and she came back she came back out and then we were folding bulletins and you know what i said i'm like oh, you want to fold bulletins she's like okay like opportunity to serve here you are you're you're a bulletin folder today and so this church isn't about a show we have great music we have passionate teachers who are working hard but we're about Giving people opportunity places to play. Well, where else could I get involved? Well, children's is great. By the way, they did so awesome last week. They did so. How many? Anybody in here serving children's ministry? Thank you. 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 A million thank yous. How about life or youth? I like to call them the future. Middle school to high school. I have such a desire to make sure Logan has everything that he needs. I love our middle schoolers and high schoolers. I won't get into it, but there is an all-out attack on those guys. I have more about to say that. I have more to say about that later, but what a great place to be involved. What a great place to be involved. And I love it that we have a lot of young folks that are involved in there, folks that are in our college age or helping out, but like, we could use some old guys like me Involved in that ministry, serving in that ministry, understanding that generation. We had a gal, awesome gal. She chose to get baptized on Easter Sunday. And she goes to get get baptized. There's a first baptism in our neighbor's holy hot tub. And she just had uh, just quickly a close like 20 or 30 of her friends show up. It was so cool. Easter Sunday, the Lord stopped the wind. Where I live, it's windy. Stopped it. And like she was able to get baptized and put a stick in the ground in front of her friends. So how about our, our young adults? That's a battlefield worth being on. How about our life groups? You know, our life groups are designed specifically for three different places to play. So we have the leader, the facilitators. And then we have their apprentice, the people that they're discipling and training. And then we have a host home, so that's six positions if they're couples. Six people that have an opportunity to play. Times 27, 5, somewhere in there. 25 life groups. That's a place to play. Restoration night. That is the gold of this church. That is the most beautiful thing. When they have testimony night or graduation night, I will maim, kill, drag myself here to be here to hear that. Those nights have tied some knots In a good way, in your pastor's heart, to hold on for this ride. To see people overcoming. Times when I was like, I don't know if I'm Lord, I'm not sure. And I see something happen up here, I'm like, okay, you got me. I'm in again. I'm back in. There's places to serve on Restoration Night men's and women's connecting people monthly, ushers, greeters, coffee, all of those things, sound, tech, lighting. Those guys are so amazing. The people we never see, and we only notice them if they make a mistake, like cut off a mic. The only time. Like, but the other 99.99% of the time, like, there's a place to serve. So we see this. Jesus' disciples were fat. Acts 1.38. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, like he was there. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, And spoke about the kingdom of God. That's the last thing he wants to talk about. When he's leaving, he wants to talk to you about the kingdom of God. What is it about this kingdom of God business? Why is that the priority? Why is it not Josh's kingdom? Or your kingdom? Or the United States' kingdom? Or whatever country's kingdom? Why is it about the kingdom of God? Why are we so concerned about taking this chaos and bringing it into order? And when it happens over and over and over again, over and over, we get to see what God looks like because his people take care of him. His people take care of each other and they point to him. On one occasion, verse four, while he was eating with them, he gave him this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift. The father promised. uh, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, Moscow, Idaho. The Palouse. See, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what he gave us. He dies, gets resurrected, appears to everybody and says, I got something for you. I'm putting the church inside of you. And you can go share it with the world. These believers were activated and unleashed. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell a story of how knowing Jesus has changed our lives. That's what they spent their time doing. We're activated. If someone were to ask you yesterday, why are you out here doing this? What are you doing at this school? What are you doing at this nursing home? Like, what are you doing? Why are you, what, what are you doing? Well, first of all, why would they ask you that question? Well, because that's a little uncommon. They're all wearing shirts. And you're out there serving. That's, that's weird. That you would, put your, you would put others and organizations and other places before yourself. See, there's a realized need. And we know that there's more realized needs. We know we didn't do it all yesterday. The God I serve sees and hears the needs of his people. And he gives others the opportunity to take care of those needs. And I love serving others because I've been served greatly by Jesus Christ. Not just on the cross, but by receiving the gift of God's Holy Spirit inside of me that guides me and changes me when I listen to it, which I'm working on. See, I didn't know I was lost, but He found me. Jesus did. I didn't. I didn't even realize that I was so busy being so consumed and serving myself that I was missing the gift of serving my community. And the reward of serving others is better than serving myself. And Paul says this very thing. He talks about that. He quotes uh, what he heard Jesus say in Acts twenty thirty five: "That it is more blessed to give than it is to receive." And in 1 Peter, we're supposed to have an answer for the hope that we have. I want you guys tonight to ask your spouse, what ask him, talk to me, why do you have hope? Ask your friends if you're not married, why do you have hope? What does this look like? Be prepared to tell your story. Explain your hope. You know, one of the things that some people will say to me, they're like, man, you know, well, Matt always says that I almost cry every service, so that's almost true. Uh, but uh, like, what is it? Like, when you get up there, like you're so transparent. You're this church is real, which is an honor that our church is real. Uh, it is not comfortable for me, and it is not my preferred method of communication. It is strictly for the purpose purpose of showing who God, what God can do with the mess. Because if you guys look at this and you're like, God did a pretty good thing with that mess, I hope you can look at yourself that God can do a pretty good thing with me too. It's solely for the purpose of empowering all of you to share your story because your stories of God's grace and mercy and love and forgiveness will inspire others to seek that grace and mercy, love and forgiveness. Because this is real life, this isn't just a, a, a name, it's a lifestyle. It takes work to write your story and to make a point to God. So as we move on, we're gonna have new chapters being written, our stories are, are, being, uh, are, are being written and we're empowering others to, to never give up. This church, through the power of Jesus Christ, is, ch- is changing the Palouse. And I think we're about to create a movement in our area, that will exceed all of our hopes and dreams. We had a great dreaming week this last week about what we can do and how we can change things. You know, it could be like Acts 2:42, and I'll close with this: the fellowship of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking bread and to prayer. They chose to be faithful, available and teach, teachable. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs performed by the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had every one thing in common. Felt a little bit like yesterday. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the full or enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People were attracted to what they were doing. And I think people will be attracted to a church like ours that's outward focused, that we want to serve people out in the community. We want to make sure that our own are taken care of. I'm attracted to that. I want to be a part of something like that. So in order to do, uh, to do this, here is the gas for this particular engine of being in a church that's making a difference in Palouse. Submitted hearts to Jesus, to his commandment to make disciples. Challenging yourself in community, not forsaking the getting together of the assembly, not forsaking getting together in your homes and life groups. Don't do life alone. Choosing to follow, choosing to lead, to have influence. That's what leadership is, Right? Leadership is influencing others. And what do we want to influence people to? To a relationship with God that can show them forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and all the things that they don't even know that they need. Influence is uh, helping people to that saving grace. And choosing to submit to God's way. You know that prayer that that he teaches? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Josh's will... Oh, wait, no, it it was about his will, isn't it? Seeking the will of God. What is his will for you in your life and where you are? Choosing to submit to God's way. So we're going to take this opportunity to have communion. I want you to reflect on what it looks like to empower, to be empowered and to empower others towards service, towards prayer, towards understanding the text better, towards this very moment of communion where we come and we have reconciliation with God and what he has done. And so we're gonna hold on to the communion elements. If you didn't get one, my brother Scott over here is gonna do it and Ron back there, uh, you can raise your hand and those guys will get one for you. If you're a new believer at our church or you're not sure what this is about, you you probably let it pass and come and ask myself or anybody else and we'll talk to you about this. But we take this back to Jesus every week at this church. It is critical that we know whose we are and what we're doing and what the purpose is for our life. And God spells it out for us. But it started with this idea of this blood and this cross. And I hope you guys hear my heart today. I am super proud of this church. I know God has more for us, and I know we are going to change. We're going to change our. We're changing the Palouse. and we're not changing it because of great sermons. We're not changing it because of great music. We're changing it because you sitting right in your seat care enough to be out there showing people what God looks like. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup, excuse me, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, this is for you. Remember what I'm about. Let's remember what Jesus is about. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's remember what he's about. Father God, I thank you for this time uh, with my brothers and sisters here. I ask, Lord, that they would leave here feeling empowered, empowered by the music, empowered by worshiping you, empowered by their relationships with the people they're sitting next to, and that they feel the call, Lord, to empower others and to share their story and to be bold about who Jesus is in their life and to continue to partner with this idea that the world is running in chaos and God chose us to unleash us on the world to help bring it back into order and that order is the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I just ask that upon this body and this church, help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.